The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I'm joined today by Tim Templeton. Hi, Tim. Hello, Henry. Thanks for being with us today, Tim. Let me give you, the audience, a little bit of background on Tim, and then I'll have him fill in. Uh, Tim is a veteran executive, an entrepreneur, a management consultant, and an international best-selling author and a speaker. He does it all. He's a lifelong learner, and Tim found his passion serving consulting golds clients. Uh, Consulting Gold is his latest venture, and we'll chat about that. And he's been able to incorporate his unique abilities into his daily duties. Tim's books include The Referral of a Lifetime, and we're going to dive into that. That's a Ken Blanchard series book, excellent book. He's also the author of The Recognized Authority, Always Positive in Your Business, and he was a main contributor to the text of The Entrepreneur's Handbook. Uh, By age of 28, he had amassed a seven-figure net worth, and at 29, he lost everything and, of course, has come and rebounded back since then. But we're going to dive a little bit into that uh, step in his journey and learn from that. So once again, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us, and please fill in a little bit more about yourself and your background, if you would. Absolutely. Well, Henry, it's my pleasure uh, to be here on your show and, and share some insights for uh, those people that are listening right now. And I just love this, Henry, because we're talking about business and entrepreneurs and what this country is great and, and why it's great. And it gives us the opportunity to go out and, and really be captains of our own ship. And, and for me, uh, that's been my plight since my early 20s. When I left college, I didn't complete school. Uh, I wanted to go out and and make a gazillion dollars and take on the world. (laughs) I thought I could at that time. I was convinced I could, as a matter of fact. And uh, I I ended up uh, from Buffalo, New York, uh, setting up shop in the Bay Area in San Francisco in California in my early 20s and started a number of businesses uh, from uh, sales organizations to a manufacturing facility uh, I, I ended up with partners and developed real estate, uh, went on into the 80s and, and had a national marketing and sales firm that I called on all the major retailers in the country. And if you wanted your product uh, on the shelves of Walmart or Kmart, I could have it before those buyers across the country with inside 30 days if your product qualified uh, to be in my bag. And so I did that for a number of years and right up until the early 90s when James Ray and I uh, did produce the Entrepreneur's Handbook, and I got this bug 
to start helping others, to really get in a space that I loved to write, to create, uh, and uh, and I've been doing that uh, along with some other ventures for the last 25 years. But uh, it's great to be here. It's a little bit on me. I guess the term serial entrepreneur does fit, uh, but uh, I'm on the right show then because this is the how of business, right? That's right. That's right. And I call myself an aspiring serial entrepreneur. So you are definitely a serial entrepreneur. So yes, absolutely. This is our listeners are typically folks who are looking to make that transition from the corporate world in particular into becoming their own boss or existing small business owners like myself are always looking for tips and advice on how to get better at what they do. So this will be perfect. Um, I want to go back to, of course, it caught my attention when you said you left uh, college early. I didn't go to college either, but is that was that because you had it even before you went to college in you that you couldn't wait to start and be your own boss or what what drove it what made you take that leap well first off i've i've been afflicted my whole life with the ability to see things done in in rich detail Interesting. <laughs> and uh as a creative type uh i've always enjoyed processes i've always enjoyed things with a beginning a middle and an end to them I loved collaboration, always have. Uh, I've been in a number of different partnerships, some fantastic, some not so fantastic, uh, but they're all part of, of the experience of going through the process. But what happened to me specifically in college is I really, I went to school because uh, that's what everyone else was doing in my group. And I, I had no, no clue what I was going to do with a degree. And in the first semester, I had bounced around so often and was down in the front office changing majors. Uh, it was it was, got boring for them uh, each time I would walk in. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, you know, I, my dad was a blue collar worker. My dad was a boilermaker. And I grew up in a very small home uh, with two brothers in the same bedroom. Uh, and, you know, my dad, as a boilermaker and a tradesman, uh, made a fair amount of money for what he did. But uh, I remember uh, I was I was in this uh, landscaping architecture class and and the professor was was stating, hey, you know, you could you could you could complete this and go out and make fifteen thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I, I remember the statement. It was like yesterday. I could see his face. And I remember the feeling that I had saying, gee, my, my dad makes more than that. Now, this was back in the, in the early 70s. My dad makes more than that. What am I doing here? Why am I spending the money uh, to do this if I know I can go out and make more money than my father did and I can do it on my own? So, you know, I left school. It's, it's, it's one of my big, big regrets uh, as a lifelong learner. I didn't really understand how much I really liked to learn at that time, but certainly as I went forward in life uh, and that experience, uh, I am a lifelong learner, love to read and and learn processes and learn from others and be mentored as well as mentor others. So uh, that that's what happened at that particular time. Yeah, fantastic story. Thanks for sharing that. I, I have to believe or suspect that you regret it now just from the perspective of not having finished that or the education. But at the time, it just did not reconcile with what you wanted to do, right? It just no. it just didn't make sense anymore for you to keep investing in that at that point in time. No, it didn't line up. And and uh, but again, you know, it's it's as we go through, I mean, this is who I am. And, and certainly, you know, I've mentored three daughters around now well into their secondary <laughs> degrees and going forward. I just it, the regret is, is I love to learn. 
And mm -hmm. and I if I had to do it over again, I would have just cooled my jets for four or five years and had gone through finished, you know, my bachelor's and gone down to grad school just because I love to learn. But at yeah. the time, you know, you, you're the best. We're all the best. We're the sum of our best choices. And That's so right. that was my best choice at the time. And I certainly own that. Yeah. And one of the big takeaways is always learning how to learn. But what did you tell your daughters as to why you wanted them to go to college and finish and maybe. Oh, well, it's, a, it's a big deal. I mean, look, you know, since I didn't have that in, in my home, but when, since my, my daughters were young girls and now they're in their mid 20s to 30 years old, uh, they there was never any doubt that they were going to go on to university. I mean, that was always in the language. It was always just like it was always finishing high school was in my parents' language and, and the discussion. It was always in the discussion that you're going to select a great school, uh, get your bachelor's degree and hopefully go on to grad school. And so, uh, you know, that was just part of growing up and in our whole process inside our family. And, and my daughters, uh, and, and the reason I shared that with them is because, you know, I wanted them, my whole goal for my daughters was to, uh, and my wife as well, was to let them become their own individuals, find their own authentic voice, uh, be able to walk out into the marketplace with their feet firmly planted on the ground and walk into any room, any community and be able to sit and be accepted and look at people at, a, at an eye to eye level. And part of that, is is really uh, having a degree uh, and and understanding for those circles that you travel with others that has a degree it's an important part of the process and so it's it's not that a degree will make more money doesn't guarantee you a job uh, there's plenty of people with advanced degrees that are working as baristas uh, at the local Starbucks and and there's nothing wrong with that but what I'm stating is, uh, for them to find their authentic voices, that confidence in who them, I just wanted that box checked off for them and they would all agree with you right now because they're making their own decisions in their life and their opportunities are generated by the degrees that they've achieved on their own. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely and appreciate that perspective. I'm about to send my daughter off to college. We just have one child and she just finished high school. And so I look at it very similarly that it's that foundational base. It, it helps them learn how to learn. It exposes them to different points of views and thoughts and gives them that foundation. And the way I've always expressed it is it then opens so many doors that then they can choose to walk through depending on where they want to go next in life. Sure, absolutely. So uh, it, this is an exciting time for him. I'm excited for you and your daughter and going through the process. So you uh, have a lot of fun. Uh, and as you uh, bring her, get her started, and as she goes through the process, you know, of being on the other end of it, there's great times for you. So good yeah, stuff. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. So you had early success. You got right off to it and started building businesses. And, and then I believe at some point you were doing training for realtors. Is that correct? Yeah. That was one of the businesses you yeah, had? Yeah. Let me, you know, first off, let me state this. Uh, the Owning your own business and being an entrepreneur, this is deep waters, man. I mean, it's not, I didn't just fail once. I have failed multiple times. I have failed so often in so many different initiatives that we wouldn't have the time on this podcast to, to talk about. Uh, the whole idea about business is, number one, Edison said it right, Henry, there aren't any rules here. We're just trying to get something done. 
And and for you as an entrepreneur, there's no rules. I mean, there's no ceiling. The only ceiling that you put on yourself in terms of the ability to achieve, the ability to earn, the ability to uh, impact others, create products, that is done on the biggest playing field in the world, and that's the four inches between your ears. The, this statement is huge. So if you're going to step out, I want to share some some steps and how you could do so and not take all the black eyes and hits I have. But ultimately, as you know, Henry, being a small business person, this is this is all about perseverance. This is all about the ability to get knocked down hard and then stand back up and keep moving forward. You know, I watched a, a Steve Jobs uh, a video uh, yesterday uh, of a 1996 interview of him. And he talked about how difficult it is when you are an entrepreneur. And he said the number one thing, he said the overall, the number one thing, the number one component that you need to have and believe in and be able to execute on is perseverance. This was just at the time, if you recall, he had Apple was was wrestled away from him by John Scully and the board. Uh, he had created Next. Uh, was was this this company to go back in and compete with Apple was before Pixar was created. He was down, you know, as low as you could go at the time of this interview, but he had his chin stuck out saying, look, you know, you have to be ready to fail, but fail fast and get up. And um, above all else, he said, I and I agree with him. It's it's this ability to persevere. Uh, when all else uh, says that you shouldn't. And that's what, and you know that as a small business person, but that is if you're stepping out and ready to go on your own, there's some there's some steps that you can take uh, for a soft landing, if you will, yeah. and actually test things out before you, you, quote, quit your day job. But ultimately, hey, it, it's deep waters out here, man. <laughs> you know? And there aren't any well, rules. But, uh, that's right. So. That's right. Yeah, no, perseverance is, is absolutely a, towards the top of the list. The thing that I think a lot of people are challenged with, including myself certainly initially, is reconciling that against that I think we're conditioned uh, early on to avoid failure at all costs. And then we go into the business world and we hear everybody talk about how failure is not the end of the world and you learn from failure. But yet I think we're conditioned early on to avoid failure at all costs. How did how did you overcome that or were you just naturally initially ready to take that on? Look, I, I have uh, I've come up from the other side of the tracks my entire life. And certainly as as going out, I mean, I ended up uh, in the uh, uh, sophisticated uh, venture capital world early on uh, in management. Uh, without a degree, without those uh, 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 the the background and the experience of others, so I I have spent a lifetime of being this maverick, this outsider that has taken the the creative abilities that I've had, and I pulled uh, as I listened to this fellow Richard Tripp talk about it, uh, who was an executive with Infusionsoft in a call yesterday that that pulls your the reality into your creativity, and that's what I've done my entire life, but. There have been so many naysayers along the way, you know, from growing up inside the same community, you know, when I when I left Buffalo and then started my own, uh, I had a manufacturing firm at 26 years old, a 40,000 square foot facility and investors and, uh, you know, we had it going on. But the point being was there was there was setback after setback after setback, and it was just the ability to continue back up the hill. Uh, you know, Henry, in, in my uh, book, The Referral of a Lifetime, in the, in the last edition, 
this is an allegory that I wrote, and a lot of the, the key character in it is high ground. These are all personalities that I wrote about that have been in my life. Well, I had a mentor by the name of Paul Wong. And Paul Wong was a multimillionaire, self-made man from San Francisco, built high rises, uh, founded banks, uh, uh, just a, a businessman's businessman. Uh, and he took a liking to me and I brought a business plan to him early on and he funded the factory. And like he said, he said, Timmy, my friend, he said, he said, all signatures are not equal as he signed on the large line of credit to purchase the factory with me and, and was my mentor and business partner for over 13 years until he passed. And, and you know, the idea of, of understanding what one has to do when you go forward uh, in terms of this is get ready for setbacks. And I remember that factory, we made money starting out, we paid everything off, but ultimately there was a price war. And ultimately five years in, the price war got so bad because the barriers to entry, and this was at the time that there was a lot of utility, free financing for attic insulation and other types of things. So everybody got into the business. And there were when I started in that business, there were five factories in the state of California. We got into the price wars. There were 13 factories in the wow. state of California competing for the same business. So the only way we had to do it was drop in our price. And so I was down to the last six guys where the other seven had gone out of business. And ultimately, I had to sell out to a competitor for next to nothing because we couldn't continue to fund our losses. And I remember being at Paul's office. I mean, this, this guy had started multiple businesses, and he loved me like a son. And I, I write about this in the character of Susie talking to High Ground, who Paul represented in my life. And I remember being at Paul's office in this, this massive failure. And, and, and the guy that I wanted to impress most was him. He was my mentor. He was the guy I wanted to be like. And I remember sitting in his office and I remember just looking down and I, I couldn't get the words out because I would never admit I'm a failure. And I remember sitting and looking at him and I said, Paul, I feel like a, I feel like a failure. And he was always busy doing multitasking, head down, a cigarette out of his mouth. You know, he had <laughs> you know, all these businesses and people coming and going in his office. And he stopped and he looked up at me and he looked dead into my eyes. And he said, Timmy, my boy, he said, you're not a failure. He said, we'll simply start a new enterprise. I never forgot those words, Henry. And I'm sharing with you right now, if you started in a, in a business and I talk about failing, you're going to fail. <laughs> you're going to have naysayers. But it's about perseverance. And like Paul taught me throughout his life, it's about getting back up and moving forward with a better idea and learning from those failures. And I certainly learned from that as well as all the others that I've experienced going forward. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that story. Very inspiring. Um, well, let's segue since then you, you talked about it, mentioned the book. Let's segue into this book, The Referral of a Lifetime. What, uh, two questions. What inspired you to write the book? And then very interesting if you'd share a little bit about the story of you having a breakfast meeting with Ken Blanchard to get the <laughs> second edition, I believe. So talk to us about the book, what led to it, and then your meeting with Ken and how that took it to the next Absolutely. Level. Well, in the 90s, uh, I, I came after I'd written that book. I, I sold my interest in the company that, that handled products nationally at retail, moved my family to 95. I had a couple of six-figure consulting contracts in San Diego. 
and moved my family to San Diego and wanted to start a training business just to, uh, based on the entrepreneur's handbook of working with entrepreneurs. And I ran into a fellow that was doing some speaking in the real estate industry. Uh, he was on the backside of a real estate business and very charismatic fellow. Uh, and ultimately, I went to see him speak. He spoke for about 20 minutes in front of about 200 realtors very charismatic and we got along great and in 95 we sat down and i said if you're interested in going into business with me i said i've just started a new company by the name of providence seminars i this was july 1995 i incorporated in the state of california and if you want to go into business with me you can be the proud owner of providence seminars and he said yes and we launched into this business of training realtors ultimately on how to generate referrals. And so we did this for two and a half years. We marched across the country. We did uh, uh, eight free half day seminars a month in each city, major city, and led those people into a two day turning point retreat and ultimately into a coaching program uh, that went through this process and how to generate referrals. Well, what happened in mid-1998, uh, he, he ended up buying me, my interest out, but we had a prenuptial going into the deal that I put together that whatever intellectual properties that we developed, if we wanted to split either or, would, would be able to utilize those intellectual properties. So the very first thing I did, Henry, is I took some time off. Uh, really to think and reflect and say, hey, what do I want to do? I had this great mentor by the name of Milt Richards. Uh, Milt uh, has been involved with the National Prayer Breakfast for a lot of years. And and we were talking about it. I said, you know, I want to write a book, but I want to write a great book. I'd like to write a Blanchard-style book, like the One Minute Manager. I want to write a book that everyone wants to read because ultimately the Entrepreneur's Handbook was a great book, but we didn't have that many sales with the book uh, because it was a long, detailed uh, uh, tome, really, a, a long book. Uh, and so I wanted to have a shorter book, an entertaining book. And so here was what Milt shared with me. He said, he said, listen, Tim, he said, I've known you. I've been in the small group with you for years. He said, one thing's true about you. He said, you put the relationship first. He said, so whatever you write on about referrals and business and all the rest, do so with this in mind, putting relationships first, really incorporate the golden rule. And, and the great commandment, you know, is that we go out, we love one another. But how do we do that in business? So that was a tall task. And I took that on and I put together a great writing team. I wrote the first draft of the Referral of a Lifetime, the first edition, uh, and I had some great writers that worked with me on it. Linda Rutledge Stevenson was a creative writer, came back in, coached me through the whole manuscript, then put her touches on it, and it was a beautiful page turn. And I self-published that, uh, and I sold over 75,000 copies around the world self-published and, and spoke uh, in this country and around the world uh, on the topics of that allegory. Well, I wanted to get introduced to Ken Blanchard and it, it's, I wanted to get referred and we both live in the San Diego area and ultimately, uh, you know, most people, there, there wasn't a door open, but I had a good friend by the name of Vince Siciliano who was friends with Ken. And they were in a small group and they, they met together socially. And, and Vince uh, was a banker in San Diego. And he insisted that Ken read my book. Well, a lot of people bring books to Ken. The guy's got over 20 million books in print. I mean, him along with Deming and a couple of other thought leaders from the last century is probably one of the greatest thought leaders on, on leadership uh, in the last 100 years. And, and arguably, certainly the top five. Uh, and so anyhow, uh, I get this call 
in my office on a morning and my my admin sticks her head and she said, you're never going to guess who's on the phone. It's Ken Blanchard. <laughs> I got to tell you, Henry, my, I got nervous. You know, my heart started <laughs> pumping because, in, you know, our industry, I mean, this guy's like the Bill Gates, you know, of, of publishing right. and he's on the phone and, and he picks the phone up there. I pick it up and I, of course, try to sound really important <laughs> and then I had it together. Tim Templeton here. And he said, Tim, Ken Blanchard, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? And he said, Hey, I just read your book last night. I think it's marvelous. He said, hey, I'd like to meet for breakfast tomorrow morning. What are you doing? Now, we both lived in San Diego. I, you know, whatever I had going on, it wasn't, it was going to get canceled or rescheduled. You know, my schedule's clear, Ken, you know, <laughs> wherever you want to meet. And so we did. Of course. And uh, he, he sat down and he said, look, he got a great message. He said, this is an important message. I'd love to help you get it out. Uh, and I'd love to get a publisher. If you'll come in and coach my team on the principles of this book, I'll see to it that you get larger distribution, you get this book published, and we get this message out around the world together. And so ultimately, uh, I did do some coaching for his staff, and uh, he, he fulfilled his promise. And, and the, the, that second edition, that, new, that edition at that time of the referral of a lifetime, was published through Barrett Kohler Publishing. We sold another 150,000 copies uh, in 12 languages, uh, opened up doors beyond it. It was selected as the, as the number one premier publication in the Ken Blanchard series uh, through Barrett Kohler. And so uh, that, that struck a long relationship with Ken. We've been friends ever since. And uh, uh, he's opened so many doors for me. He really was the referral of a lifetime for me. And and so it, there's all of those people. Here's the point of that story, Henry. I mean, I've had my Ken Blanchards, but you know what? Everyone listening right now, you all have your Ken Blanchards too. They're all one conversation away, one referral of one trusted friend of the idea, the connection, the door opener that's waiting for you to up-level your game and go on a stage that I certainly I would have never have found if it wasn't for Ken Blanchard. Uh, and, and, and that continues to happen uh, because now we have a brand new revised and expanded version and we're re-releasing it uh, this month around the world. So um, there's your background on Ken and, and uh, a little bit how I got involved with the book. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a, what a tremendous experience. And I'm starting to hear also one common theme is that you have been very good about looking for, finding, and then appreciating and taking advantage of these mentors that have come into your life and how critical that has been. Uh, and that's all related to this concept of the referrals as well, beyond just referrals that I'm going to sell something to or offer a service to. It's also, you've been great at, at finding those people that are your mentors and understanding how important that is in your life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, the ability to mentor someone and be mentored, I've had maybe five in my life. And those are really the people that, you know, you never know where they come from, uh, but you just have to have your antennae up. And those people that know that you have an interest in them, you have respect for them, uh, you're willing to listen. And I've had maybe five people in my life in different areas that have, have had a huge impact uh, in my life. And, and just to give them the respect, because ultimately, uh, in doing so, you can up-level your game if you're coachable. Uh, and if you are coachable, certainly uh, uh, you have a chance to really move to the next level. And so 
absolutely. If you have the opportunity to be mentored, that's just all about keeping your antennae up, asking questions, and being open and not ready to give the answers, but ask great questions. And when you ask great questions, those mentors will show up, they'll give great answers, and you'll start a great relationship. Agreed. Fantastic. So uh, let's segue into these points. And as it relates to small business owners, that's why I think this book, The Referral of a Lifetime, is perfect for small business owners. You talk about this concept of a qualified pre-endorsed referral. Can you explain a little bit what that is and how we get there? Well, listen, Henry, that's what we're all looking for, right? I mean, yeah, ultimately, and we all, we, we don't really want to work too hard for it. We want to show up and have our phone ring, you know, to have that pre, pre-endorsed, meaning someone else has already endorsed us that we know that that, that, that person that was on the phone or that's contacting us, uh, we've already been set up. We've, they've been qualified too because they know exactly who we're looking for, who our target client is, who our, our, our super, our, our avatar is in terms of the perfect type of client. And I've worked with lots of people in financial planning and others that they don't want just referrals, they want qualified referrals uh, because their bandwidth is already restricted. They, they already have enough clients. What they're looking to do is replace the bottom 10% of their clients with people that look like the top 10% of their clients. So these are qualified referrals. And so uh, ultimately, it's a process that you step through. And that's what I outline in the book and have really doubled down on this new revised and expanded edition uh, that's just releasing is is. Uh, uh, Focusing on those processes, those specific steps of whereby uh, I took the things that we charged thousands of dollars for back in the day, things I've taught on now for 15 years, and I actually have them all detailed in the book, every one of them detailed inside the book. Uh, so uh, those people that, that do, do get the book, they have a complete system with all those specific steps. And part of that is being able to really identify who your perfect client is so you can share that perfect client with others so they know who to refer to you, which is that pre-qualified, pre-endorsed referral. That's fantastic. And you talk in the book also about this power, these power advocates. Can you explain what that is and why it's so important to a small business? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things, you know, we talk about grouping and, and there's some simple steps about ABCing your, your, your list of contacts, but your A's you know, number one are those people that are most likely or have referred you in the past. And, and it's just getting really strategic. Well, inside your A's, there is a group of power advocates. You know, one of my most favorite books, of course, Malcolm Gladwell, every, I read everything Malcolm Gladwell writes. He's just a fantastic writer. But my most favorite book uh, that he wrote was Tipping Point. And, and inside Tipping Point, what Gladwell points out is, look, you know, we have a sphere of influence, he said, but he, he said that the truth is most of us don't have a sphere of influence. He said we are connected through a people connector, a connector's sphere of influence, because there are certain people that collect relationships and they do it naturally. They do it on purpose. And, and most of us gain most of our relationships by being in the sphere of influence of those connectors. And so there are certain power advocates. For example, Vince Siciliano is a power advocate for me. Vince Siciliano went to bat with Ken Blanchard to insist 
that he read this book when he got hundreds of books presented to him to read. That's a power advocate. We all have those in our lives. And those are people, if we give first, if we lead with a helping hand, if we get the dollar signs off of our forehead, because the, the, the core element of the referral of a lifetime in this allegory, Henry, is all about taking the dollar signs off of our forehead, putting it, put it aside, putting relationships first, lead with a helping hand to ask the questions of how I can help others first. This, this isn't something we do naturally. We have to do this on purpose because we're not wired that way. And, and ultimately, when we do, those people then have the ability to step up and will want to help us. And, and they're, they're a small percentage, but when you identify, and first of all, you got to understand that they're there. So it'll be worth just listening to this to identify power advocates, but then build that relationship with ultimately to help them and then educate them on how they can help you. And they will. They'll step up and they'll do it in a big way, just like Vince Siciliano did it for me with Ken Blanchard. And so you touched on it, but give us a little bit more from an introductory perspective on this concept of the ABC customer list. Yeah. Okay. Here's what you'll find in the book. There, there are five key principles that I teach drilled down inside the system. It starts with the philosophy of putting relationships first. We spent a lot of time on that. And it's really finding our authentic voice. I talked about that earlier on with my daughters, about us being real and, and being authentic. And, and then taking the next step of, of proactively taking the dollar signs off of our forehead in our day-to-day -day marketing and how we interact with others. And understand the number one asset that we all have is the database is the connection of people, of our current clients, our past clients, our associates, our peers, and in some cases, our friends and family. That is our biggest asset in our business. And if we have a personal and a professional relationship, both with them, the depth of, of, of both of those sides of the relationship with those individuals will is directly related to your top line revenue that you earn in a year if you've got a process behind it. Because you'll build those advocates to share what you do with others. So there'll be a tipping point in your business. So you won't have to be proactive at some point. The referrals will come in and they'll be qualified with this system. Well, I start with the five principles. I start with, first of all, identifying what your database is, uh, then how to strategically split your database up so you've got C's, B's, and A's, how to move your C's to B's and your B's to A's, and then ultimately how to educate all those people of how you work, and that is putting relationships first, and there is a whole chapter in chapter five on that. And then going through what social proof is and how do we use social media to actually generate those testimonials, which become the biggest referring group that goes down through that process. So there's this step-by-step -step process that I outline uh, really well. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a lot of practice on that in this book, but it lays all of that out specifically uh, on how to do that. And it all gets down to spending time with those A's uh, ultimately, and then developing those power advocates. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It does make sense, Tim. Would you also talk about this concept of high-tech, high-touch, and how that relates to generating more referrals for a small business? Yeah, ultimately, you know, when you have hundreds of relationships and, and you want to uh, definitely use technology to move forward, we can't do all these things one-to-one -one on our own. 
but it's choosing the right partners that are out there. One of the, the great partnerships that I developed uh, is with Refer.com, which is a tremendous platform. I'm on their advisory board. I'm, one of their I'm part of their teaching faculty. Uh, but it's one of the resources that I incorporate into uh, uh, my book and processes inside the system of how to reach those A's and how to really build those relationships with everyone on a one-to-one -one language using technology, but understanding that the referral and the trust happens in a one-to-one -one basis. So that's that high-touch side of things. So it is high-tech but ultimately it's high touch because you've got to either get someone on the phone, you've got to look them in the eye and ultimately educate them on what they do, find out what, what moves and, and floats their boat so you can help them best and ultimately they can reciprocate uh, with you and your product or service. So that's the high touch side. Tim, would you share with us a bit more about Consulting Gold, what you all do and, and also the what you're trying to accomplish with the book? And, and again, for our listeners, the book is called The Referral of a Lifetime. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I, at the end of the day, I, I've, I've had a lot of different ventures, uh, but I, I spend my time consulting with others. I do executive coaching uh, at a high level, uh, strategic planning. I take in the system on what I've now put in play that we did share as thousands. Uh, basically, I've, I've dedicated at this age to get this book out and this message out to as many people as I have. So through the company and through video and through online teaching, I don't have to travel around the world any longer. I can meet everybody where they're at on their smartphones. And what I'm dedicated to doing, Henry, is getting this out, this message out, this system out uh, uh, for just basically pennies on the dollar so I can get it into as many people's hands as possible and, and, and impact as many to put the relationship first, get the dollar signs off their forehead and start finding their authentic voice. And how I do that uh, is through one of the extensions of Consulting Gold. It's through this book and another site that I have. So one of the, the ways that if you're listening you, and this, this stuff resonates with you and you want to join that community, go to thereferralbook.com. It's called thereferralbook.com. And, and what I've done is I've got uh, the ability to order my book, but I give all of these additional free resources. I'm going to have it up for a period of time. Uh, one of the things for my full-length training, I've got a 29-page guidebook that is extraordinary. I mean, and it will step you through the whole referral of a lifetime. It's it, uh, ex revised and expanded uh, with all of the steps with this guidebook. And that is a, a bonus for me. I've got another video that gives an overview that goes in depth of all these things we're talking about. That's a bonus for me. Uh, and for those people, those managers, I even have more the ability to go out and teach this. I have a downloadable PowerPoint and all that for people that want to uh, take the, uh, the responsibility on to teach this system. Uh, to those people on their team. And so we have those kind of things. But that's all at the referralbook.com, which is a uh, an extension of consulting gold. Thanks, Tim. Uh, question I always ask uh, my guests is, is there a book, a recent book, uh, obviously in addition to yours, that you would recommend to our listeners? I I have, I you know, I have a long list of, of favorite books, but uh, I'll tell you a book that I've just finished and I love it and I'm doing a deep dive with one of my, my clients on it is, is The One Thing. And The One Thing has been a bestseller for a number of years. It's by Gary Keller, the, the founder of Keller Williams Real Estate. 
uh, and it, it's a great book. It really is. It, it, it really talks about focus and and uh, uh, it's it's just a great step and how to book. So I highly recommend that. Uh, I also uh, I'll tell you what, one of the things that ha- has impacted my business and me and how, the things I do today is a book by the name of Flow F L O W. I don't know if you've read that, but it's by a fellow by the name of Michele Chicente. And it's all about finding what you do extremely well, your passion that puts you in the center of your own flow, your giftedness. Uh, and it's a great book. It's it's detailed, but it, it, the guy's such a good writer that if you, you stick with it, it's very understandable. It's deep material, but it's very understandable if you stick with it. So uh, those would be two, uh, along with Malcolm's stuff too. But I've got a whole list, but those were two of my favorites. All right, so the one thing which I have read and flow and then, of like you said, we mentioned previously, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. So I'll have links to all of those books in the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Tim, as we start to wrap it up, I want to go back to this point of collaboration, uh, which relates to partnerships, which I'm always interested in. If you could just share a bit more of your thoughts on collaboration in business. Well, one of the things on collaboration is try to find individuals you're going to collaborate. Make sure it's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and not particularly a business. Collaborating on projects uh, gives you the ability that if you end up matching up with someone exactly with the gifts that you have, it, it can work on a project, but matching up with someone with your exact gifts doesn't really work well in a partnership in business long term. You want to fill in the gaps in the things you don't do well. But uh, if you have a team to collaborate on a project, there's nothing better than like-minded individuals sharing with one another your ideas. Uh, Hopefully you come from different spaces and you you look at things differently and the insights that you can share will definitely up-level your game on whatever project that is, whether it's a book, whether it's a product, whether it's a business plan. Uh, uh, or just something personal, like getting in shape or, or a project uh, that you want to achieve on your own that has nothing to do with business. There's nothing better than collaborating to get the endorphins released, keep that energy up, uh, and then have a win with some others when you truly, you're not high-fiving the mirror because of your success in the morning. You actually have some human beings out there that you can high-five one another because you've reached uh, uh, that success point or achieve your goal. That's great insights. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Tim, where can folks go online to find out more about you and your business? Uh, first step is the referralbook.com. Uh, and inside that community is the best way. If you want to get connected with me and follow up, go to that site, get involved with me. We've got Facebook groups for those people that get involved. I've got lots of free training. And if you're on about generating referrals and you like this stuff you've heard today, uh, I'll go deep with it and share all my friends with you as well. So <laughs> that's that's the best route and the best path to get involved with the things I'm doing. Tim, thanks so much for sharing all this great knowledge and for being with us today. Thanks, Henry. I do appreciate it and want to wish the best to you and everyone else. Thanks so much. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. We look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you, inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed's provided by Strayer University affiliates of your learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.